Yeah, that's how I'm feeling today, just a desperate need for God um, to know that, that He is all that we need. And so we come here today. I welcome you to worship at Providence Church. Welcome to worship online. That's why we're here, just to, to be together in this way and to express our need for God, to God, who's here with us and, and even um, speaking to us in this moment. Let's take just a moment and pray and ask God to speak to us. Oh God, we need you. And we ask in these few moments as we open up the Bible, open up your holy word, that you would speak to us, that we would hear from you, that you would change us and, and, and do in us uh, what we need. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. A quick welcome to those of you who may be joining us for the first time. Uh, wherever you may be, we welcome you first time guest, or maybe you just haven't had a chance to, to do what is on the screen right now, which is text welcome guest to 31996. We'd love for you to do that. Or if you're uh, in the live chat on our uh, website, you can see a link there where you can just click on that as a guest. Give us uh, some contact information, or we'll follow up with an email. We even have a gift that we'll send to you this week. Hey, I want to make sure you know about this Friday night, July 31st, is going to be another one of our drive-ins right here uh, at our campus here at Providence Church. There's two opportunities, 6.30 p.m. and 8.30 p.m. We've still got room at both of those. You can reserve a spot for your car. All you have to do is go to prov.church slash drive-in. So it's going to be a wonderful night outside here, Friday night, 6.30 or 8.30. You can sign up for that right now. Also want you to know, those of you who may have students who are going into the sixth grade through graduated seniors or students who are watching right now, right now, the following night, that Saturday night, August 1st, we are going to have a fall kickoff for our student ministry. That is another thing that we need you to reserve a spot for. So you just go to prov.church slash sign up and you can sign up to be a part of our fall kickoff. Uh, it's going to be a great time. You don't want to miss it. Uh, I'm going to put up on the screen, not me, some magic person that's put on the screen, our ways to give and just give you an invitation to give financially to the church right now. You can see that you can do that on your mobile device, on your computer. Uh, many of you uh, are mailing your checks in faithfully, and so just want to thank you for that. I did want to tell you some really uh, cool news we learned this week. Some of you all who've been with us at Providence Church for uh, a few months know that we gave at the first of the year $70,000 to an organization in Nicaragua that brings clean, safe drinking water to rural Nicaraguans. Uh, uh, just having clean and safe water changes the whole game for health, for education, and for people to really prosper in their lives. And so we did hear that community, San Martin, which has 273 people, uh, the work has begun. The project is still uh, going on for the gift that we gave financially. But what we found out this week is that Actually, the money that you gave was more than enough for the project in San Martin. And so the organization that we've been connected with for over 10 years, El Porvenir, let us know of another community called San Lorenzo. And here's the story of San Lorenzo. They have already attempted to dig a well twice and uh, have either not hit water or not hit enough water to sustain uh, the well and the pumping system that would be needed for those folks. And so they asked us, would we be willing to uh, let some of that extra money go for a third attempt at digging a well in San Lorenzo, which we said yes to. So I just wanted you to know that your gift is at work in Nicaragua. And I wanted to ask you to pray for this 
uh, third attempt. The engineers think that they can hit water, but it's not for sure. And I just thought, why don't we do that right now? We'll just pray for water to be hit in this well in San Lorenzo. Let's pray. God, we pray um, in this way through time and space that we're connected and connected to you, um, that when the, when the drills go down in San Lorenzo, that water would come bubbling out of the ground. We pray, O oh God, who brings living water in every kind of situation, that someday soon we could be in this place again and celebrate what you've done for these people whom we love and you love. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, we'll keep praying that prayer. Again, Like that's my prayer. My hope is that I'll be able to share with you soon um, uh, about uh, the water coming in San Lorenzo, a place none of us have ever been, but we know that God cares about. And I just wanted you to know that your gifts, your financial gifts, make a big difference. That $70,000 was given on Christmas Eve and is still working and bringing God's kingdom. So thank you, thank you, thank you. There is an acronym used in the mental health fields and often in recovery that is an indicator, a helpful indicator for folks to know if they're at a place where they might be on the edge of making a mistake or uh, even uh, a relapse. You may have heard it before. The acronym is H-A-L-T. It spells HALT, and it stands for Hungry, Angry, Lonely, Tired. Many of you have probably heard of that. It's a simple concept. It's just saying when you're hungry, like really hungry, or angry, on edge a little bit, or you've isolated yourself from folks, or you're just flat out tired, you are not in the best place to make the best decision. And so any one of those indicators, hungry, angry, lonely, tired, if you realize that, it could be a place for you to say, uh, I need to halt. I need to stop. I need to get something to eat before I act. Or... I need to cool off, <laughs> or I need to call, I need to call someone. I, I'm, I'm not going to make the best decision if I'm isolated, or maybe I just need to rest. So if you're on a journey to health in the recovery world, when you notice that you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, you stop, and you halt, and you do one of those things. I have noticed lately, the only reason I'm talking about it right now is that a lot of people are hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. That could be expected coming out of a time of quarantine and shutdown and now restarting in some ways, but there still seems to be all kinds of uh, unrest, all kinds of complex decisions, job loss, all, all kinds of things that seem to have been pulled away from us could leave us naturally in that place of just being hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. I'd want you to know that there are a lot of people that have been left hungry in this time, like actually hungry. There are people in our community who are hungry for food. More than ever before, our church, which has sought to see everyone fed in our community, has been pouring out food. Uh, in fact, um, this Saturday coming up, we're going to have a feeding event. There's one taking place in Lebanon and one taking place in our parking lot. Well, we're going to have enough food for 150 families, and we're going to be dishing it out until it's all gone because there are hungry people in our community. That's been taking place here all through the pandemic, week after week, in partnership with the Mount Juliet Help Center and with Wilson County Schools, either the Mount Juliet Help Center van or that bus that you guys help uh, purchase for the school system has been here and food has been going out. I'm telling you that because as you come into contact with people, you need to know that some people are hungry. That might affect how we think about people, how we act towards people. People are angry. I don't know if this is true, but I hear people say it seems like people are angrier than ever before. 
You know, so often when in the situation we're in, seems like the starkest, most dire situation we've, we've been in. I don't know if this is the time when people are more angry than they ever have before, but I do know that you don't have to look very far to find anger right now. People are lonely. You may be back at your normal life or some semblance of a normal life. You should know that many people are not and that many people are lonely. Many grandparents haven't seen their grandkids in a long time. Many adult children haven't been able to see their parents for quite a while, there's, there's a loneliness happening and tired. I don't know if you can get an amen through a camera, but if you're on your couch and want to give an amen to just being tired, there's been this whole new kind of tired that has set in. It's like we're so ready to be done with all of this and we don't even know what all of this is. And so there's this tired, we're tired of it and we're tired of each other. Isn't that interesting? I've been thinking about in a time when we've seen each other less than we've ever seen each other, people are more tired of each other. And so, if you are hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, maybe this should be an indicator to halt. When everything seems to be pushing us forward, I wonder if this is a time that we should actually stop. Maybe this is a time that we should notice what's going on inside. You may be thinking like I'm thinking is this guy a mental health expert? I'm not. <laughs> I have a degree in psychology, but I don't even remember <laughs> hardly any of it from back then. Uh, so that I'm, I'm a Bible teacher, right? A- am I somebody that works in recovery? Not really. I do talk to somebody almost every day who's dealing with addiction or dealing with a family member in addiction, but I'm a pastor. So why am I talking about this hungry, angry, lonely, tired? The reason is, is because I think Jesus said it first, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, tired? Come. Burdened? Come on. Could that burden be anger? Could that burden be loneliness? And he says, come to me and halt. Stop, and I'll give you rest. The verse goes on to say, Jesus is still saying, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is saying to those of us who are hungry, angry, lonely, tired, come to me and stop. I have something for you. I'll give you rest. You know, we have to be careful in thinking that God is just sort of a transactional God. I think God is more often a relational God calling us into relationship. But it's pretty cool here what Jesus is saying to us. He's saying, bring me all of your fatigue, Bring me all of your anger. Bring me your loneliness. I will exchange it if you'll stop before me, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest for your soul. So a question a pastor does ask, this is more kind of in my field, is how is your soul doing? How are you doing on the inside right now? Would you say you're charged up? You're good to go? And you say, right now, I'm in a good spot, pastor. Or would some of us say, I'm hungry, I'm angry, I'm lonely, I'm tired, even in my soul. I love this verse, the one I read you from Matthew, where Jesus tells us about his very nature. We could get caught up in just noticing what Jesus says that he's going to give to us. But if you look closely, Jesus is really saying, I want you to know what I'm like. I want you to know who I am. I want you to to come close to me. And Jesus self-describes himself, did you hear it, as gentle 
and humble in his heart. He says, if, if you come to me, he's, he's trying to give us an indication of who he is. If you come to me, I'm gentle, I'm humble, I will give you rest for your souls. So I hear in that this only God, this thing that only God can do. Only God could come into a, an angry, lonely, tired place and, and give to us rest. But there's also, right, this only you, this only, I'm the only one. You're the only one that can note your fatigue, that can notice that indicator of angry. Where's that coming from? What's that about? We're the ones who can come to Jesus, halt, stop, however we want to say it, and get that rest. And when you come to Jesus, you get his spirit. Remember the promise? When you come to Jesus, you get a spirit, and when you get a spirit, these good things start growing out of you. And I'm going to tell you all about them today, gentleness and self-control and joy and peace. And it's actually these things that I think would be the balm in this time for all the hungry, angry, lonely, tired people that we would encounter. But don't mishear me. You can't muster these things up today. They grow in you supernaturally through the Holy Spirit of God. The fruit of the Spirit in you is love. It's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness, it is self-control. The list ends with gentleness and self-control. The two we wish that had been left off are left for us (laughs) this week. Gentleness is interesting to me because even people that I encounter that I think are really gentle when I talk to them about their gentleness, almost every gentle person I come upon will say, oh, I'm not gentle. If you knew me, if you knew what was really going on. Most of us would say, I'm not gentle. But even those people who we would look at and say are gentle can, can tell you how they're really not gentle. It's just hard to be gentle. In a tough life, in a stressful life, you might say, if you knew my family, you would know gentleness is not an option. Well, here's the deal. Jesus' way is gentle. The way of Jesus is gentle. Is Jesus strong? Yes. Is he our protector? Yes. Did he conquer sin and death? Yes. Didn't he turn some tables over one time? Yes, he did. And everything we're told in the scriptures about who the Messiah will be, who we know as Jesus, indicates that this Savior for us comes in a gentle way. It's not devoid of power, but it comes, he comes gently. When the Messiah is described in Isaiah, he's described in ways like this, that like he will tend his flock like a shepherd. Listen to the description. He will gather his lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. The image evokes the picture of a gentle shepherd who carries lambs and takes care of mothers. And then, when Jesus actually comes, even with those descriptions, everyone's so surprised. (laughs) A gentle leader who welcomes children into his presence. Yeah, let the kids come to me. He comes riding in in his great moment on a donkey, not on a white horse. He doesn't come as a conquering general. Instead, he ends up laying down his whole life. And he self-describes himself as gentle, humble. Jesus' way 
is gentle, which means we are actually called to be gentle ourselves. This is not an assumption I'm making. I'm not inferring that because Jesus is gentle, that probably means we should be gentle. I'm telling you that the whole tenor of our holy scriptures that describe how Christians are supposed to act and lead and serve is in the way of this gentle Jesus. There's an often quoted verse. I say it a lot. I've heard it a bunch. It's from 1 Peter, and here's what it says. It says, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Isn't that a strong verse? And we say that, and we say, be ready. Be ready to tell. Be ready to explain. Be ready to give a defense. But it perplexes me that that verse has been truncated or cut in this way because it's not the whole verse. I'll read you the whole verse. Here's what it says. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. In the book of Titus, again, this is a part of the early uh, teaching for the first Christians. It's just talking about how Christians are supposed to act. It says this, they are to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. 2 Timothy chapter 2, when giving a teaching, this teaching is actually about how the people who serve God are supposed to act. So this is what it says. It says, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting opponents with gentleness. Right. Even the people that we're against, it says to treat them gently. Right after Paul gives the description of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, I mean immediately after that, as he kind of begins his last thrust in that letter of teaching, he's talking about how these Christians are supposed to act around another Christian who's not acting right. (laughs) Another person who is caught in, he calls it a transgression, but it just means they're not acting uh, faithfully towards God, they're not acting faithfully in the midst of the Christian community. So I just want to make sure you understand this is situated right next to the words about the fruit of the Spirit. Paul says this. He says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, what does that mean? Those of you who have the Spirit in you should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. The way of Christ is gentle. The way of Christians is gentleness with each other with the hope of restoring them. That, that that's our hope with the people that we're encountering is that we could get them back to a restored relationship with God and the people of God. And the way to do that is in the way of Christ. And so if you're like me, maybe, and you're like, oh, this sounds really hard. For those of us who see gentleness as something quite difficult, especially in this age, you should know that the way to know gentleness in your life is to know the gentle Jesus. That's the only way. The only way you can do this is it's kind of an only God thing. The only way I know how to tell you how to live into the way of Christ is to be willing to give your whole life to Christ. To say, I'm seeking the way of Jesus above all the other things. All the other things in my life, I'm seeking the way of Jesus. There's this only God part that the Spirit can do, and the only me, the only thing that you can do is to say, I'm giving my whole, my whole soul 
my, my angry, lonely, tired soul. I'm giving it to that Jesus and see what he can do. Here's something I've learned. Uh, if you're like, there's no way I can be gentle. Here's something I've learned. Uh, in, I've been saying this a lot. I don't know why. It's like if, I, I've realized I've just come to, come to a point of being in it, 20 years in ministry. It's like, I'm 40. I'm a man. I'm just like, I'm at this point in my life where I, <laughs> where I, I know some stuff. Well, here, here's something I've learned in 20 years. I have learned that the struggle with gentleness is often connected to some type of struggle with forgiveness. That those of us who, who really find it difficult to be gentle might have something underneath that that has something to do with forgiveness. Forgiveness from, forgiveness from God, uh, forgiveness of others, or forgiveness of self. Those are, the, those are the three places. Forgiveness from God, forgiveness of others, and forgiveness of self. When I find someone who's really not gentle or struggles to be gentle, oftentimes uh, I, I find that they, they struggle with God forgiving them. Like they're like, I don't really think God could for, forgive me. And if you think God hasn't forgiven you, God hasn't been kind to you, God hasn't been gentle to you, you could see why it might be hard for you to extend that to somebody else. But more than that, I see it in relation to our forgiveness of others. So if someone has really hurt you, and you've come, you haven't come to that place where you can forgive them, you could see why you won't be gentle with them either, right? If they aren't worthy of forgiving, they're probably not worthy of being gentle with. Gentleness has a lot to do with grace. The only way we extend gentleness is if we can extend grace to that person. So it sort of makes sense. When it's hard to forgive others, it's hard to be gentle with them. But it's really this last one that I want to get to, and that's forgiveness of self. What I've seen the most regards people who have had so much trouble forgiving themselves... When, when you can't really forgive yourself for what you've done, how you've screwed up your life or messed up a relationship, when you can't forgive yourself, you don't even mean for this to happen. But you're so unhappy with yourself that there's not, there's not even a bit of gentleness left over that could be given to someone else. In a sense, what I'm saying is we can get to a place where our souls are hungry and angry and lonely and tired. And that, my friends, is a dangerous place. And that is what creates a culture like the one that we're in. And there's only one way out. I'm convinced. There's only one way out. We have to halt right before Jesus. There's only one way out, and it's Jesus. We have to stop before Jesus and let him give rest to us. He says, you know, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest for your souls. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. To, to know gentleness in your life, you have to know the gentle Jesus. Are we willing to give everything to him? That's where we find forgiveness from God. That's where we find the power to forgive others. That's where we find that moment where the grace of God washes over us and we can finally, finally forgive ourselves. You know, the Spirit of God is powerful, conquered sin and death on the cross and is working in you. That Spirit is now living in you and working, and it's supernatural, out of your control, and it's growing something in you. It grows something in me. What does it grow? It grows love, and it grows joy, and peace, and it grows patience, 
And it grows kindness and goodness and faithfulness. It grows gentleness. And it grows the ability for you and me to control ourselves. For the spirit God gave us, one more verse for you today. For the spirit God gave us did not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-control. The spirit is the one that allows us to control our words. The spirit is the one that allows us to control our typing. The spirit is the one that allows us to control our, our hands. The spirit is the one that allows us to control our minds. And when we don't, There is abundant grace for us. So Christians don't come to a place where when we're not gentle one time, we go into this place of self-loathing for a decade. No. We go deeper into God, deeper into his spirit, receiving that forgiveness and growing and growing and growing. We seek God rather than despair. We seek God rather than going into a, a cycle of negativity. This is the maturing work that the Spirit does in us, and it, it grows in us, and we grow, and we grow, and we grow, and we do it day after day after day, and it turns into year after year after year, and the Spirit begins to make us more in the likeness of Christ. And what does that grow in us? Love, joy, peace, patience, <laughs> kindness, Goodness, faithfulness growing in you, gentleness growing in you, and self-control. Don't give up, people of God. This is not the time to give up. This is the time to go deeper into the Spirit, to give yourself more and more to Jesus, and to find this fruit growing in you, this good stuff, love and joy and peace. Let's pray together. Oh, God, we pray that we would give ourselves more to you, that we would learn more about who this gentle Jesus is, who self-describes himself as one who's humble in heart. And as we come before him and stop today, that we would find immeasurable joy, deep peace, and mostly, God, the love of our Father. We need you. We need you. We need you. And so, God, we rejoice today as your people. In Jesus' name, amen.